0: So welcome to another episode of The Real Modemap Podcast. My name is Liam Rose and today I have a wonderful, wonderful man with me. Um, he's an old family friend of ours, um, but he's been an instrumental part of my life and my development as a man. And um, I've got a lot that I owe to this man in terms of how he's helped me overcome so many things, just emotionally really. Um and I wanted to get him on because I think there's not only a message in this discussion, but also he's created a life and a business um, that's supplemented the life he's chose. And I think that's an important thing too. So I'd like to welcome Carl Simmons. Thanks Liam. How are yeah, Good to be here. Thanks Liam. Good. Um, I've not spoken to you for a little while. I'm no, nor- it's been a while. I yeah. normally ring you in a bit of a panic yeah. um, because... Um, for some reason or another, you seem to have been the person that I've leaned on so many times for what seemed to be emotional support. But at the time it didn't, it was more uh, from what I look at it now as I was figuring a lot out Mm. and I trusted you more than anybody else to be able to not only hear me, but also offer impartial advice and from a sense of that place inside of you, which isn't, I know it's the sort of maybe because of this, you might be feeling this, mm. maybe this, or we all feel this, this and this, you know? Mm. And I think you've got such a wise mind that I, I just wanted to sort of reconnect and pick up on. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I sound like a therapist, <laughs> which I'm not, right? not at all. But um, yeah, just, you know, I've known you dad for 30 years and mm. obviously since you were a little boy and, mm. and and in a sense, whilst you grow up, and we didn't really have a lot of contact until you were sort of a, into your teens or maybe as an early adult. Mm. Um, and how you would... I suppose, start to be interested in some of the things that I naturally became interested in mm. um, after a life of – it's a, a very normal life of setting up a business and having a family and going through those sort of usual challenges that you do and yeah. hitting, I suppose, a similar age to what you are now. How old are you? 35. Yeah. So 35, 36 years old seems to be a pivotal age for people. Mm-hmm. It's an age when a lot of changes happen for me and I started getting interested in certain things that I think you're pointing towards. Um and so when you started having these sort of inclinations or interests or challenges as well, of course, around these things, then sure. it, um, it was by that time maybe easier for me to, just sit and listen, really. mm. um, which is a, which is a skill I've come to learn to be a very powerful skill of yeah. being present and listening mm. um, that that's not to just be some sort of soundboard or whatever, but you, you have to do that first. And so, Um, you know, and I, and I also had the time Mm. and, and wanted to, um, offer a mate, you know, some support. So, you know, it just sort of happened very naturally really.
0: I think the thing is, is when, particularly when you're a young man and you're attempting to, to understand the nature of what the world is and particularly someone like myself that's gone through drug addiction. and challenges emotionally, a lot of like childhood shit that I carried around for a really long time, which I've managed to come to some really reasonable terms with now. Um, you know, you're going through this process and sometimes... What we tend to do is seek outward advice, but where we seek it is from people that will validate the advice. So I'll be down the pub with my mate; she's pissing me off. Oh, this person, that person, work shit. That like, mm-hmm. and you just get into this echo chamber of misery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I found was when I started seeking a spiritual path. And taking the the, the the time to go, right, if I'm feeling things, I need to learn to understand each feeling. And there's not just a single range of feelings like happy, sad, angry. They exist, but within that framework, there is a broader scale of emotion within that. Okay. And it's a skill for when I'm happy to understand what part of the happy way, what I expect, what, what joy am I experiencing? What... What happiness am I feeling? Am I content? Am I elated? Am I excited? Am I just proud? Like those various feelings can create the central feeling, I would call it. Um, But then on the the counter of that, the negative feelings, the difficult ones, when you're looking through the lens of somebody who feels traumatised and abandoned and upset and hurt, you know, all experiences can be seen through that lens yeah. and the shift in my life that has taken, an, don't get me wrong, a long time. Like I've been exploring this stuff for 10 years so far yeah. and in that exploration, we have had many a conversation across that dinner table in your kitchen yeah. and hashed out some ideas and, you know, whenever I've been in a particular state of peril, um, it's felt natural to say, right, I need to speak to Carl because that it's a vulnerable place, but it's expansive because I can yeah. express and it then be like, okay, these feelings are fine, but then what about here yeah. and what about there? Because when you're told, no, it's not, and that's not right, or you shouldn't feel that or get over it or whatever... You're not allowed to process the feeling, yeah. which I've yeah. I found is important.
1: Well, we're told that enough, right, all mm. the time and in, in the world at the moment of this very sort of polarised world that seems to want very clear answers mm. uh, because there's some sense of safety in that. But the reality is it isn't like that. And there's all sorts of nuances and combinations and also changes. So mm. what seemed very clear at one moment won't seem clear at the next. But in a sense, you know, if... It feels like a blessing and a curse to be sensitive to this stuff in a sense that we might feel somehow um, disillusioned with our lot, Mm. you know. So for me, when I hit sort of 35 years old, I'd got all the trappings in a sense. I got the executive detached house and the double garage and the Subaru and the pony in a field. And, you know, I got all those things. And it struck me I'd never been more unhappy in some ways. and, Mm. And that really hit me hard. So it's, if, if we're that way inclined, we get challenged by certain sort of um, expectations, ideals. I've ticked all the boxes I needed to tick. What's wrong here? Mm. You know? And, and of course, sometimes that's not clear because a lot of the stuff that we see the world through, we're not even aware of. Mm. In fact, most of it a lot of the time. And these, as you say, come from our childhood and certain conditioning so we're sort of like wearing goggles that we see the world through. And and in a sense, you know, we see examples of this all the time, but if we see, if, you know, if, if we can only see, you know, if we've only got a hammer, we'll only see nails, that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. so we will see the world in such a way to conform to our beliefs, even if our beliefs don't serve us, you know. it's, it's, a, it's The human condition is sort of both amazing and mad, all, mm-hmm. all sort of tied up in one thing. And we can have yeah. these incredibly sort of self-destructive thoughts and stuff like that. And, and we sort of double down on them because that's what our basic belief structure is. Mm. But then you go, okay, well, good for you. You know, how's that make you feel? I feel shit about it. Right. You, <laughs> yeah. know, so why, you know, why not challenge it? So there's, you know, so we've been on this for 10 years. I've been on it for sort of 20, 25 years, maybe you'd say, and mm. well, 58 years now coming out for, but in the mm. whole, whole thing. Yeah. But there's a lot of information there and there's a, and it's not just us and it's not just our parents, but it's our parents, parents. And you know, the whole thing sort of spins out into the whole culture. And we're, we're dealing with some sort of, as I see it in some ways, a bit of some dodgy software and it's a bit glitchy. And, you know, hopefully the, the, the program is to sort of wake up a little bit to it, evolve, see it. And then once we can see our blind spots, then they can start to change naturally almost by being seen. But, um, so all all the stuff that um, you know, all the stuff that you might sort of present to me on any given day, these different emotions and challenges and stuff like that, are familiar to us all really, if we're honest. And yeah. I took a moment to sort of step back and see what we were going going through. Yeah. But at the same time, with an understood sort of a, for me, a basic understanding belief is that you're, you know, at your core, you're fine. Yeah. You're golden. And in a sense, it all gets covered up and it's a matter of sort of shifting stuff off the top to see. So to and, – and that's been something that's been passed on to me from sort of people I've been lucky enough to spend time with, just as you say, you've been lucky enough to spend time with people. Yeah. Who offer that – they offer a, a, a presence from a place that they can hear the story. They can hear all the sort of the twos and fro's and the challenges and the biases and the conditioning and the, all this, that and the other, but they don't really – they're not really buying into that completely. They sit outside of that and can be in a place to be present to you, so that you may express what's yeah. coming up for you. And and a lot of the time, you you know what you need to do. Mm. You know the challenge is why don't we do it? We know what we need to do for ourselves, but why don't we do it? Sure. And because um, it most of sticky old habits, you know. Whether we call it addiction as drug or takes whatever form of addiction, I think to a certain extent we're sort of all in recovery. Yeah, recovering some sense of. An identity that we're happy with, you know, Mm. and peace, at peace with that sort of thing.
0: Really, I think for me, like, and it's taken a lot of time because it feels like a a layer of it at a time will sort of bed in. And then as you integrate that new understanding, you then have an additional thing to experience. And, um, like you say, the world and being a person is so nuanced and so different and so varied and so challenging. And if only we could see each other in the light that we are all the same thing, just getting on with, Like we all fell out of a fanny at some point, at some point in time, we all did that. And we never chose where we started and we've all got to figure this out. And the game at the moment is we're very like judgmental of other people and the frameworks that other people believe and the other thing are are the challenges that people face. And realistically, all we are is an organic sentient being that is filled from top to bottom with conditioning and beliefs, Right. And one thing that changed for me, and it was like, right, any belief structure that I have, say, is a set of glasses, like you said, goggles. I think we've got hundreds of pairs of glasses on. And we're looking at like a relationship, let's say a relationship, because relationships can be triggering. Triggering, They're mm-hmm. one of the most triggering things. When you're around someone intimately, and in, like in, an, in a closed environment, particularly if you've got some experience with that person, and they do something repeatedly, they can trigger you, Right we will outwardly blame, you're doing this to me. You're doing that to me. This is happening and it's making me feel like that. And we never often answer the question, why am I feeling like this? Mm. Because of that. Mm. If this is happening here, why am I feeling this? Mm. And if we challenge that, we get to change ourselves. Now, this doesn't mean that you... you, you Uh, adopt a view on the world of you can treat me any way you want because I'm the one that's got to deal with my feelings. That's what boundaries are for. Putting boundaries in place actually has to come from a comfortable place in yourself where you realise I have to take full control of how I'm feeling to the best of my ability as often as I can and notice quicker when I'm triggered in order to reduce the outward difficulty Mm. and inward pain. Mm. that's how i see it now mm. and it's taken me a hell of a lot of time to really decipher that and pick that apart like i've harbored resentments in my life towards my parents for a long time mm. and one of the things that's changed for me and it's like fuck me they were only doing their best and they were delivering their best mm. through a traumatized state themselves doing their own stuff from their own past from their own lives and they've done their very best. Mm. When I come to understand that, it's like I can choose to liberate myself of the expectation of other people that I put on them because of my needs. If I liberate myself from that and then start to deliver those needs to myself, treat myself how I want to be treated, think and feel in myself how I want to think and feel, because we can take control of that to mm. a degree through meditation practices, through careful understanding of how we work, even through the basic understanding of how a human being works. Mm. Every feeling is just a sensation in the body.
2: Mm.
0: And that could betra- like be betrayal or loss or rejection. Interpret it how you like, right? It you know. bubbles there. Mm. And your behavior and thought pattern out of that is what manifests in the world. Mm. So if you can go, right, before this comes out here, mm. I want to take myself off for five minutes and I'm going to sit and figure this out. Mm. And a lot of my stuff comes from what I thought was daddy issues. A lot of it's mummy stuff. Mm. I needed nurturing. I needed loving. Yeah. And she mm. and we had this conversation the other day, me and my mum, and it was a very vulnerable conversation. Mm. She was like, I did my absolute best. Mm. And, you know, she, she was a childminder. She looked after tens, 10, 10, 11 kids at any one time, an incredible woman. Mm. And, you know, us three were living in that environment and she faced a lot of challenges and running a business and all of that stuff. And what my need was, was, can I just sit on your knee and you let me know that I'm all right? Yeah. 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 And because that wasn't in her field of understanding as to what was needed, she was doing her best to deliver upon every other metric possible, financial stability, food, washing, clothing, yeah. like all of it. Yeah, yeah. For everyone yeah. in that yeah. household. yeah, I liberate myself from that feeling because you go, oh, you were doing what I'm doing now.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's this, uh, you, you know, probably know it, that, um, this guy Gabo Mate would sort mm. of, you know, people sort of sit and talk about how, Either that they've got it wrong, or they missed the point, or they are mucked up, or whatever, regarding their parents or their children, some relationship. He'll, he'll sort of stop him and say, "At what point in time did you decide to ruin your children's lives?" Mm. You know, and there may be some people out there, but the majority, not. You know, you say they are sort of people doing their best under a lot of pressure, being pulled left and right, not having the bandwidth, mm. and you know, it's it's tough. And I've I've got certain friends who had very, you know, almost impossible situations as, as young parents, you know, sort of isolated themselves. And one particular friend isolated in herself in, in the situation she was in, um, absent sort of uh, partner through to circumstances as well, but a child that was born and sick, but undiagnosed. So the, the child would never settle because he was constantly in pain, although the doctors didn't spot any problems. So in a sense, she, she considered herself a bad parent because she couldn't do anything for this child and she was depressed and struggling through. Um, but in a sense, she's, I said the situation was traumatising. It was a very difficult situation and, and that's working its way out through the rest of both of their lives, you know. Yeah. And they're, they're doing brilliantly, you know, actually, and, and close now and sort of understanding seeing this and, and letting some of that stuff go, that guilt go. You know about being this terrible parent, and then of course, in their situation, seeing the sort of models of things that they think are great for people, the great parents or mm. their great parents or their great look how they're doing, um, and letting some of that stuff go and understanding that, you know, at times some situations are you know close to impossible, but we're in the world because we were loved enough. Mm. You know, we children don't get if they're not touched or handled or fed enough, you know, they're not in the world. So we were sort of loved enough to be here. Mm. Obviously some a lot more than others, you could say, and some mm. with less issues than others. But I don't think anybody really escapes fully being a human and mm. the human condition mm. and being able to find ourselves. And in a sense, how to present ourselves as this identity in the world that causes both us and the people around us the least amount of of harm, mm-hmm um so for me I suppose a, a lot of my stuff came down to sort of asking well you know so I, I'm upset I'm triggered you know which was certainly part of my history you know, a lot of anger and rage and at the world you know and and then sort of asking that question well, who is it that's triggered then because yesterday that happened and I was fine and today it sort of happened and I'm not so who's the one that's and so a lot of it was about questioning this sort of, a lot of the assumptions we have behind our identity, which is the one that sort of is either defensive. So it, I think when we get particularly judgmental, it's normally born out of a sense of fear. We might, it might express as anger, but I think they're a similar, similar thing. they bedfellows, really fear and anger. It just gets expressed in different ways. Yeah, And that we can become very judgmental and we want to know things very, very clearly because we want somewhere safe to stand. And unfortunately, I think, you know, from my experience, life's paradoxical. And it's not about solving the paradox, because, you know, paradoxes is this and that, mm. both at the same time. And we can't, we can't hold that in our mind, not intellectually, a paradox. It sort of has to fall one side or the other. But our life, our lived experience is paradoxical. And it's sort of how do we, how do we find a way to live with the, the mystery of things, which is a paradox, without having to try and solve the mystery. You know, so it's always this sort of tricky balancing, shifting sands, you know, at times impossible and at times endlessly sort of fascinating and uh, mysterious.
0: I think, and, and I love what you said there, and I think a lot of people will be able to identify with this, we harbour such resentment to ourselves for not having the answers to things we've never done before. Yeah.
1: It's, again, it's, it's very unkind, right? You know, it's, it's sort of mad. We might, we would know our shortcomings more than anybody else probably, a lot of the time, maybe certainly when you start to ask the questions of yourself, start to investigate because yeah. they can get very amplified so we become very aware of those things. Mm. Um, so we know it, but who's telling us most of the time? It's like the voice inside our heads, you know, like we're getting post-it notes from the management all the time about this and you think Your shit, your I shit. Know, <laughs> yeah. you know, I know there's this problem. why do you keep sending the fucking emails? And it's sort of we mm. can sit we we can sit in a room on our own. And mm. I remember us having a conversation some time ago and I said, What we really need to do is be able to sit in us on our own, you know, in a room and be okay. Yeah. And you and at the time you went, Christ, why would I want to sit with myself? Right? In a sense, you know, we It's that sort of self-narrative, which is part of the sort of craziness of it all. We aren't
0: aren't able. If you pose most people a question and said, right, I want you to sit in a room, no technology, Mm. no nothing, six hours on your own. Mm. Well, I don't know how to do that. Like no cleaning, no solving of anything, no reading a book, no, just sit. Mm. And that is the place where the uncomfortable nature starts to feel Mm. because we spend so much time distracting ourselves from the sensations that are going on in our body, the feelings, that we innately don't actually understand how many feelings we're having on a day-by-day basis and in what area those feelings fit. So for me, when I first started meditating, it's like, when you understand, like most people say to me, I can't meditate. I say, right, if you sit... In an upright position, let your shoulders hang off your spine, sit back straight and just try and sit, right? Within a minute, within 30 seconds, my brain is saying, I want to get up, I don't want to do this, I'm tired, I'm hungry, I need a drink, like, oh, and then you're just thinking about random shit as well. Like, the whole game for me of meditation is learning to sit in that noise, Yeah. breathe through that and become calm in that chaos because meditation for me is like people go oh, I can't turn my brain off so I can't meditate you're not turning your brain off cuz you're 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 almost becoming an observer of the brain mm. you're going to observe your thinking watch your thinking
1: yeah become aware
0: and just become yeah. aware of it yeah. because otherwise what you're trying to do is solve a fucking riddle that's got you into this feeling yeah. in the first place
1: yeah. You know, you're you're sort of trying to solve the problem with the problem. Mm. If you think you're going to think your way out of it because you're sort of already starting from the wrong place. So a lot of the, so, you know, done a lot of practices around meditation and different traditions and, and study and et cetera, et cetera. And I would sort of, I would group a lot of these things into what I call presencing practices. So develop a sense of presence. So, you know, when you, like you say, for your meditation, you sit down. People say, I can't meditate. You say, what do you mean you can't meditate? You're aware that you have thoughts and you're aware that maybe sometimes those thoughts are uncomfortable. Sometimes those thoughts are not. But who is it that's aware of the thoughts? So and everybody will say, oh, I had a thought the other day. You go, okay, well, they're sort of becoming aware. And in a sense, it's just... That awareness is a form of a presence, like a natural sort of thing that's always there, you know, regardless of the content, there's a sense of presence. And it's just the noticing. So sit and notice, and again, and again, and again. And of course, you know, lots of people have a Buddha in their house, sitting there all serene with a s- soft smile or pleasant, peaceful expression on their face. And, and you know, that, that's, that is available to people, to everybody, regardless. But... It's a tough old trot, you know. It's a tough trot to lift the stone and look under the stone and start digging in there. And lots of people just don't want to have anything to do with it. Mm. You know, the, the sheer thought of it is almost haunting to them. And, you know, I guess some ways you, you, you can either put up with the suffering, distract yourself from the suffering, or face the suffering. And in a sense, meditation and self inquiry practice is like that for me. It's about you know, turning around and facing the suffering. Yeah. Um, because, because a lot of the time, and certainly through a lot of the, the sort of modalities that are developing now, like some like the psychedelic renaissance, for example, where people are going through therapies with psych- using psychedelics, mm. they're supported and, and help, but they're always encouraged to look at <coughs> the problem, turn around and face them, or voluntarily face whatever it is that's feeling uncomfortable to you. Yeah. Because if you really f- fully turn around and see it, you realise there's a lot of the time nothing to be scared of, particularly where it might just sort of change by being seen. Mm. Just like we can feel when we're we're listened to properly, when people say, I felt seen and heard, in a sense, that's transformative. And you go, well, what was it about that that was transformative? And you go, it was sort of the thing I always wanted. Mm. I wanted, I needed some, I needed the connection and attention. I needed to feel sort of validated I Need to feel here really here mm. and cared for and so for me you know with a lot of these things and, and equally to ourselves everything's footnotes to presence presence to another as we're sitting here now and you're offering me the presence and when I'm on my own I try and offer that same sort of open because you don't know what I'm going to say open presence to whatever's arising in my practice as I said you know so it's just sort of a presencing practice really and it's such a beautiful thing to develop off the map and taken out into the world because uh, this is what you're going to do and experience and go forward more and more. And as you're more present, people will just tell you things mm. They just open into it. Yeah. Cause that decompression of getting things from outs inside out changes it, shares it. It's vulnerable, but if you can offer the space for it to be put into in that process, these things can transform just, just by them. They want to sort of resolve all these things want to resolve, and in a sense, we sort of we've, we've developed a way of sort of holding them in patterns that sort of like yeah. planes trying to land, you know, yeah. not letting them land. They just want to land.
0: They're going to run out. They, the thing is with these things, they never run out of fuel as well. well they we'll will
1: run out of fuel at yeah, some
0: point, But, it, but they, normally, and and in my experience, it's like the best thing that we can we can do for somebody else is to just offer the presence. I don't have to have the solution. I haven't got to tell you the answer, right? You might want an answer. Don't have it. It's your life. I can't fix you. But what I need to do here is while you're expressing to me, I'll let you finish what you're saying. I'll I'll reconfirm, I'll you know help you understand what you've just said, clarify what you've just said, and then allow you to sort of go in a little bit further. Because sometimes... The, the problem is not the problem. Do you know? Mm. It's the, the, mm. the main thing isn't the main thing. Mm. And, so, and as this you is go, creative, right? But you go layer by layer and you start pulling away, pulling away, pulling away. And it's normally, I just want to be seen and heard. Mm. I just want to be loved and cared for. I just want to feel all right. And when we're up in the stories, in hundreds of stories as well. It's not just like one, we've got six films playing at the same time and we're not the lead character of any of them. We're a bipartisan perversion of everybody else's story. And like this, you don't seem to be the main character in anything. Becoming the main character in your life, in your own life, it's like when you see it in a film where they go off to the wise one. It's never the wise one of which is the main character. They're already a part. They're just a party too. The main character is the one figuring himself out. Mm. The one learning the martial art, the one, you know, that's going to the wise one to learn. And it's not just about the fighting skills that they learn. It's the wisdom that comes from it. Mm. And when you can put yourself in a position where you realize you are the wise one as well as this, Mm. because you know, all things, I believe, Mm. you know, all things already. You have to, process the things in order to release them and sometimes having a conversation which is held in a nice open space where whatever i'm feeling right now is okay you're not going to tell me off you're not going to make me feel bad for feeling what i'm feeling i could be fucking angry i could be floods of tears i could be like i could be any number i could even be not speaking sense I could be resentful and bitter and calling somebody all the names under the sun. You don't have to jump on board with that. Mm. Present. Okay, I understand how you're feeling. Mm. And I guess maybe you're feeling like this because they did this and this to you. Like, Mm. rather than looking at the thing that they've done, why don't we look at the reason you're feeling like this? Yeah. Because that's the thing you've really got control of. You can't make them apologise. You can't make them do anything differently. You've got to allow them to come back in.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we don't know, you know. That that's the thing. But if we think we do, if we enter into it and we think we know, mm-hmm. and in a sense, we're limiting things. And so this, we sort of clear this up a little bit. Sometimes this idea of like some, sometimes therapists might say, "Well, all my job is really to do is is sit here and listen, and I don't offer any advice," because you, you know you, and you know maybe and that that may be the case. But some of the better therapists that I'd sort of seen and studied and and what have you, they're they're happy to offer some advice at times, you know, Mm. like how about you fucking do this Mm. as a start, right? Because people want to feel empowered. They want to be able to do something as well. But what's really lovely about a good dialogue in a sense where people are open and you may have a bit of a loose sort of structure around a little bit or whatever It's it's co-creative because I might say things and you may say things and with the mixing of the two things, something new comes up. Otherwise, we're just just sort of still, um, you know, I sometimes think like the mind is like a big pile of Lego blocks. Yeah. And you can structure it in many, many different ways. You know, lots of different buildings from the Lego blocks, but it's still that number of Lego blocks are sorted in different ways. It's a bit like your thoughts and you'll change them or they'll change and you'll restructure them and build something new from them. But being able to sort of suspend that a little bit and say, well, maybe, you know, h- am I open-minded enough to maybe say that there may be something more than I know, mm. right? A bit of humility you know, just creating that space, which makes you feel a little bit vulnerable. It really ties into the fear thing and us wanting something stable to stand in. and having the right space and to do that can be incredibly creative. I think most of the great ideas in time came out of that space in between and knowing, you know, like yeah. there's moments of insight or whatever, something you may have been working on for a very long time and then in a sense feel like you put it down and then bingo, something comes up, something almost news born in that. Mm. So having that space to do it, and for me that's what presence is. Mm. Presence is the space in all things that can arise and we can cultivate that and practice that sort of in these type of formats or even in therapeutic, even in bigger groups, dialogue groups, you know, holding the space, suspending our assumptions or what we think, you know, putting things out and listening and hearing. We We desperately need that, you know, now more than ever, I think.
0: We've, I mean, just to be like frank as well, like I've had to go through a lot of experiences, which you've been privy to a lot of it, of where I've had to explore other avenues to try and, understand this stuff. Mm. So just this year alone, I've sat with the medicine 10 times. Oh, okay. 10 10, 10 ceremonies this year.
2: Yeah.
0: And it turns out that 35 years of trauma, negative self-talk, low self-worth, low self-esteem isn't fixed in one session or a couple of ceremonies. I had to go really deep and do a lot of energetic release, a lot of anger, like a lot, my last three ceremonies was pure anger. Mm. I was, it was just, it it was coming up in the form of purge, but there was nothing coming out in the bowl. Mm. It was just energy, anger, frustration. And then, you know, I had some really key experiences in the last three ceremonies. One of them was, I, I sat up in the middle of the ceremony. Well, I'd had a, Big cup. I had a big dose. I'd gone deep. Mm. And that was the first night. So I had no other medicine in my body from the day before. So it was a fresh experience. And I sat up and I knew I needed a woman. I knew I needed a woman. So I looked around and I found, um, I pointed my head around the corner. And there's a lovely lady there called Niagara. And um, she'd just been doing a one-to-one, or like a, a, a ceremony on her own in a different part of the building. Because she facilitate she had a lot to work through wanted to work through some stuff so she'd just come back from that and i just called her over i said i just need a woman and she just held me Mm. she just held me right and this cry came out of me Mm. in a way that i've never experienced crying before and it was deep sobbing it was painful sobbing and it was in front of everybody in the room, and it was like it just neat. and I, and it wouldn't stop. It, do you know when you gasping? Uh, mm, uh, mm. Right, and um, she just held me. She kissed my head a few times, and all she did in that moment was allow me the space to feel that feeling. Yeah, yeah. I was allowed to feel that feeling. Mm a feeling I've never thought I was allowed to feel without being told it's wrong or it's bad. Mm. And I just, I, I've, I've tried so hard in my life to change myself and become something out of the desire to be seen, be be yeah. loved. Yeah. And I got this point where I was like, everything I've ever been through, I just wanted my mum to give me a cuddle.
1: Mm. Mm.
0: And it, I don't blame her. I don't blame anyone for it. But that was what I needed. Yeah. And I, and I didn't, I don't mean like, a, oh, it's all right. Mm. It, I needed a safe space yeah. and I didn't yeah. have it. And it was not, again, nobody's fault. I have no resentment towards it. But going through that experience, then I had to integrate that. I had to integrate that mm. and establish myself. And then when I look at it now, it's like, in a relationship, I need validating. I need somebody to tell me I'm all right. I need someone to pat me on the back, back when I'm working hard and doing mm. things. I want my partner to come over and kiss me on the cheek and say, oh, I yeah. love you. You're doing amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're doing and I love you. And I never mm. found that. No. And, you know, when you get to a place where all of those things become so present in your life, you can choose at that moment, oh, I'm going to reparent mm. myself in this moment. Yeah. I'm going to overcome this and it's going to take time. And when these triggers come up without resentment, which is the hard thing, without blame towards yourself or others, the feeling is there. Let's feel it to heal it. As the saying goes, Mm. I'm going to allow this to happen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that that sort of um, beautiful example of um, presence the unconditionality of presence in that sense. So he said, she held me and she allowed me to do whatever needed to be done. And in that allowing, it it could happen. Mm. Well, that feels like unconditional love to me, you know. Now, it it may not have all the romantic sort of connotations that we're used to in, in, the, in the world, but that's what I mean by presence. There's an unconditional aspect to uh, awareness or... um a presence that has that quality. Like it's, and of course that's, that's our quality too. Mm. You know, we may get it from another person in those situations, but we can offer it too, and we can offer it to ourselves. So it's already there in a sense. Also, the wisdom traditions would suggest this is already here. And this is your true nature. Mm. This is a, that unconditional love that exists within you. Yeah. That sometimes we, only think we ever see outside of ourselves in examples outside of ourselves and to a sense of us coming to peace is with ourselves in that sense that that so you know we, we you know they've got this um sort of uh, really clever but un, unusual and difficult sort of um, character within Buddhist sort of uh, Philosophy of the hungry ghost, and if you've ever come across, yeah, the yeah I think ghost. you've told me about him. You got these sort of creatures with these tiny little pinhole mouths and great big distended tummies, and they're they're, they're ravenous, but they can't ever they can't ever satiate themselves because of these tiny mouths. It was sort of an example of the human condition. If all our searching for peace and happiness is outside of ourselves in a in a world, if only the world was like this, if only the world was like this, if only the world was like this, was like this and It's like the guy who said, um, you know, I I refuse to walk on anything other than carpet, so I want the world carpeting. Somebody said, well, why not just put a bit of carpet on your foot? You know, it's that sort of sense of like (laughs) expecting expecting the world to be how you want it to be. Well, good luck. And sometimes that will line up, but a lot of the time it won't. And the minute it lines up, it will shift again. So in a sense, a lot of this soul-searching, self-inquiry, spiritual practice is to find that very thing that you witness in those moments inside of yourself and sit with that, as that, you know, and that's a, and, and the strange thing is we work, you know, probably more now than ever. I don't think it's probably been any, as difficult as it is now to find a sort of an identity or, or sort of carve out an identity for ourselves that feels secure and works in the world. alive. I don't think it's ever been more difficult. It feels to me, and certainly the pe- some of the people that I've met that seem... Quite a bit further along the spiritual path than myself. They're not. They don't. They're not really. They're not really tied up in that. Identity, the identity you know, is it, difficult. It, identity is a real big thing now. You know, it's a real hot topic. You know about. You know, it's all identity, physical, isn't politics. it? It's how do we look? Yeah, and and you know how we identify. And people might say, to to I mean, you know, what do you think about that identity?" And I said, well, "I try not to really." The whole spiritual thing is sort of, in a sense, clearing out this sense of a hard sense of a personal separate identity. Because there's your target, there's your trigger, there's all that stuff that you're carrying around and again. In a sense, that shades out. Um, yeah, and, and we, we had those experiences in day-to-day life, you know, in very simple moments in time. Somebody said, you know, how was it the weekend? I went, yeah, I went dancing. I was, I was great. I lost myself in the dance, you know. We, we have these terms all the time that talk about those things. What do you mean lost yourself? Oh, I don't know. It's just, just It was just dancing. I was just expressing, I don't know, something primal. Like, you know, like that primal scream or that primal cry yeah. that comes out from a place inside your chest that you didn't,
0: it was, you think yeah, it's like, me
1: and it's not me and it's everything and it's coming from somewhere deeper than I can put my head around and it just pours out through you. You know, but that sense of self that in a sense you're either defending or projecting, mm. you know, shades out. And in those moments where it shades out, it's not really the suffering there, it seems to me, you know. So it's, it's a it's a tricky one. But, but it, so we can have those experiences of the absence of a sense of that sort of individual self. But, you know, we come back into the world and we have to live the paradox and we have to sort of deal with the bits and pieces, I'm going to have to walk out through that door, you know, I can't just sort of meld through the wall as some sort of entity. Mm. You know, get back in my van and drive home. We have to take the curriculum, if you're saying, like so Ram Das would say, you know, you've, you're here to take the curriculum, you're here to work your way through this stuff. You chose it, and that's how he saw it, you know, we chose this thing and we chose our, our karma and all this, that and the other way, that's true, or not, I don't know, but we're working our way through that.
0: It's something I believe to be true in the sense that, and, and it's a nice way to look at it because if I say, if I see to myself, if I say, right, I chose this life, yeah, my spirit, me, my essence, chose my family, my life, it knew all the shit that I was going to go through, it knew who I was meant to be and it knows what my highest self is and it chose this, right? But that allows me to take full responsibility of my life. Now, what I've done in the past is exalt myself of responsibility by pointing the finger and making blame and then utilising drink and drugs to hide from the feelings and and all the other stuff. On a subconscious level, I never went and picked up and was like, "Oh, my daddy didn't love me to the fucking dealer, did I? Mm -hmm. No, I turned up every single time just wanting to feel different. Mm -hmm. There's nothing else about it. And if I'm completely frank, Addiction in itself is literally the avoidance of me and the avoidance of how I really feel. Because as soon as those triggers start to happen in the outside world, the first thing that my brain will do is associate the next thing to do to feel different is to get drugs. Mm. Um, And that means I've either got to lie to somebody, I've got to beg somebody, or I've got to have the money to get it. Yeah so if I've already got the money the first two don't need to happen mm-hmm. if I've run out of money one of the first two needs to happen I need to lie to somebody to give it to me yeah. or to get some money and then I've got to get it yeah yeah so those 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 are the circumstances there was nothing else it was opportunity met availability if I could do it and it was available to me I would do it mm-hmm. there was no need no rhyme no reason and one of the times I found this was so important to realize was my life was going amazing I'd got my relationship back on track. We were happier than ever. We'd been through some counselling. We were connected. We were intimate. We were in love with each other. And then I relapsed. And to her, she couldn't understand it. But that was the first time she looked at me and she was like, oh, this is, this is like, I said, there was no reason for that. I didn't even understand that. I didn't even know why that happened. Yeah. I could not ascertain a real reason as to why that happened. And just because I've set my life on the outside as a nice standing for a while, the internal stuff is still there. So the game is not to fix the outside, but it's to go in. And this in- internal understanding. And you, I've got years and years and years of that conditioning to overcome. That self-pity. You know, all, uh, 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 like there's no ownership in any of that. Mm. The beauty of being a man in this day and age is that you get to choose your value. You get to choose whom you become. That does not mean the car you drive, the things you have, the person you think you are. So you can measure your dick with every other guy that you come across to in your life and say, oh, I'm better than you. or I've got more than you or I've done this or that. My job is to overcome myself to the point where I can live with myself. I can look myself in the mirror every single day, accept my past, my faults, my failures, the mistakes, the difficulties, the trauma, accept all of it and allow myself to go, that's cool, that happened. And I'm really upset or I'm really sorry or I'm really hurt by all of that stuff but let's go forward.
1: So that it, last experience at the medicine retreat, yeah did you see that as just sort of a continuing healing of this identity or belief? Because in a sense, we, you know, however we, however we feel about things that may happen to us, we, we either agree or disagree. And it mm-hmm. could be pain either way, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we sort of have to buy into it. We have to give it, we have to give, because, you know, thoughts are the sort of, what are our thoughts? You know, well, sometimes you're engaged in them, sometimes you're not. You could be caught up in a very sort of sticky, uncomfortable thought and then momentarily be distracted for yeah. whatever reason. All of a sudden all those thoughts have gone. They're yeah. just not there. They've just gone away. So it's, it's, we're somehow investing in these thoughts and giving them validity or truth for them to have any power over us as we may just, they may just fade away otherwise. Um, And, and, you know, up to that moment on that retreat, did you see any sort of patterns occurring through your experiences with the plant? Was it the same plant medicine, the mother, working with the mother still or? Yeah. Yeah. So I was
0: with the mother still. It was the same medicine. and, And so the, the, the thing is, is, for me, I, and I believe truly, like uh, the plant medicine journey is one that you can take, right? And, and what it does is it goes in with you, right? And it will go, right, here's some stuff to look at. Here's some stuff to look at. And it, and it just allows you to accept a lot of things. Because what we want to do is we want to assign a polarised opinion, a binary yes or no, or accept or not accept, or like or dislike um, to all of our life experiences, and we can't be certain on the, the nature of all of the experiences that are having an impact on us. It's like if you were stacking bricks, right, and one of them had a slight curve in them and the other one had a slight, mm. you, you might be able to stack them all up so they're straight at some point, but there's going to be areas where it's a bit curvy. Mm. So realistically, what it feels like to me is it's like, what we're going to do is we're going to start to just turn the the, the bricks so they're all definitely straight oh, okay. and we can only do one at a time. We might not be able to do one without moving another and shit. It might fall down for a bit.
1: Does it feel like an engineering project? Yeah,
0: yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Because like, and I, this is the way I describe it. It's like, I've broken every bone in my body. And I think I mentioned this before the healing process is like everything outside of me that's broken every bone in my body, whether that's me or everything outside of me or any experiences I've had I've broken every bone in my body. I'm fucking completely discombobulated, right? And they've all set wrong. Okay. So my walking is off, my spine's off, I've got back okay. pain, I've yeah. got neck pain, yeah. I've got all these pains. What we're doing with these medicines and and even the healing and therapy and whatever you want to do, you want to do cold water, you want to do breath away, whatever you want to do. But the process is... I'm deciding to break one of these bones back, and I'm going to set it where it's supposed to be. That is going to hurt a lot. I'm going to have to put a cast on. I may need some help from somebody else. I might be able to do the little ones on my own, mm. but the job is to fix the lot.
1: And but at the at the core of that, do you think that the thing, in a sense, the idea of being fixed or fixing, it, it feels like okay that if I do that, I'll I'll get to there and I'll be fixed. Rather than the sense of thinking that there could be an aspect to me that doesn't need fixing, an aspect to me that is, is okay, is enough, isn't limited. You know, so, all the very uncomfortable, painful things of being human is a sort of a there's me and there's the rest of the universe, mm-hmm. and it's I'm seriously fucking outnumbered here, <laughs> and it's going to roll me over at some point. So, you know, it's, it's an unwinnable game. From that position, what some of the psychedelics and some of these and the breath work, if you like, maybe even the cold water therapy can do, it seems is like you say, you think you know? You think you know who you are? You think you know how the world is? Take this and we'll have another conversation. Now, it, it will break down those barriers. It will mount those barriers. It will show you things that you never thought possible, potentially. It may not give you the answer, but what it says... So there's more than you took them to be. Mm-hmm. There's more to you than you take yourself to be. There's always more than you, to you than you can take yourself to be. Mm-hmm. So then, so there's a mystery behind the veil, right? And from my experience, you know, infinitely deep, infinitely deep. So how do you live with the mystery? You don't figure it out like you do in the sense of I know A and B, I know there's more to me than I can take myself to be, and I sort of have to relax into it yeah. rather than reason or logic it out in in a sort of binary yeah. sense, in an intellectual sense. But yeah. the intellect is very heavily biased. You know, we're heavy on the intellect in in the West, and you know, in a sense, I think we've lost that balance and being able to sort of open that up and and be comfortable with. The uncomfortableness of it almost, you know, um, I can understand people not wanting to feel uncomfortable, certainly understand people not wanting to lift the stone and go through that because it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a difficult and painful process. You know, the hero's journey sometimes talks about the the classic hero's journey is the hero journey into ourselves Mm -hmm. to discover the gold, but then to bring it back and share it.
0: But that's what happens in every single superhero movie yeah, a and classic, everything yeah, is, a, a it is the underlying essence of yeah. who we are, yeah. that there is some victory inside us that we can overcome and we believe in ourselves. Mm. You know, Joe Rogan talks about this, where the superhero always finds out his his, his superpower and you're privy to watching that. And when that happens, you then watch him become the hero. And it's, his weakness, His right? weaknesses, yeah. but the disenfranchised past yeah. and the trauma and the difficulties like everyone's got that yeah yeah. but what we end up in a position is is we don't realize the capacity of ourselves and for me that this 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 uh, unscratchable itch to find out who i am and 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 return to myself Mm. because what i'm not doing is i'm not trying to to learn new to become better i'm trying to unlearn and and reveal yeah. who I really am, because yeah. the nuance is I can be myself in certain environments with certain people. I can be funny. I can be soft. I can be silly. I can go deep. I can do all of those things. But in certain rooms, I can't. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. That's that, and that's a that's a programmed environment of non safety. So for me, what I do at the moment is I I choose to express me at all times in this format. Take me as I am. Mm. I will improve myself where needed, not by your metrics, but by my own. If I feel like I've not acted out of the value systems that I choose, mm because of a trauma, because of a trigger, because of something, I will accept that, I will make amends where necessary, and then I will continue my life. What I used to do is never look at any of it. I would blame outwardly, I would figure out that the world was against me. Mm. I went through this weird political thing where I was against the government, I was against fucking everything, I was against the world. The whole world's against me. Mm. Yeah, well, the world's a fucking world right? Yeah. And if I want to participate in the world, I get to choose in what area I participate in. Do I want to participate in the world in an NPC version, the non-player character? Do I just want to get up every day? Oh, somebody messaged me the other day and said this. Um, She said something about um how, oh, I wish I could just be, I wish I could just be ignorant to all of this stuff and just be fat and happy at home. Mm. And, You know, I said, I I understand because I wish I could just be ignorant to me. And if I was to cater to the short term needs that I would allow myself to experience to, to avoid all of that shit, I'd be sat under a Domino's pizza box, watching TV, covered in crumbs and garlic and herb sauce Mm watching TV and I'd do that every night of the week and I'd work a job that just about pays my bills for the lowest amount of effort and the shortest amount of time. That's what I would do Mm. because that's pure comfort. But actually what I've chosen to do is to take the warrior's journey, the harder path in which I think is important.
1: Well, you know, you, you either find yourself on it or not. And it, it seems to be that having, having stumbled upon it or, or find yourself on it, God, there's so many times, you know, I've been sitting in retreats and silent retreats and in these intensive retreats thinking, what the fuck am I doing here? I could be at home. Yeah. <laughs> why am I doing this? I'm a middle-aged man sitting <laughs> with another middle-aged man crying on a Saturday, you know. What, what am I doing here? You know? and, um, and sometimes there's not a clear answer to that. Mm. The only thing that kept me there was I didn't have a better option. So I could feel like I could get up and leave. But then it would be now what you're going to do then. Because it's like, whatever's going on for you, it's here, mm. right? You got it right here. You, you can't get away from it. It's, you take it getting, It's like the old Pepe Le Pew cartoons where, you know, you get on a plane and boats and you travel halfway around the world, you get off the, and, it's, and the thing's waiting there for you, this ability to track you wherever you went. You can't get away from it, yeah. like your shadow, you know. Um, and I suppose, that's what you know, I saw in you this dissatisfaction, you know, as the Buddhists would, you know, this idea of life is suffering or dukkha, They, this term for dukkha. And one of the, one of the um, translations of that is it's rather than just suffering, it's dissatisfaction. You have a sense of it's not, something's not right. Mm-hmm. And, of course, a lot of people go, oh, just be satisfied with your lot. Just, just do the job. Have a pizza, do the job, shut up about it, get through it. And, you know, fine, that's that's okay for some people. Other people, for whatever reason, it's not. And for you, it's not. And so you're asking these questions. And, and- I
0: didn't choose that either. Like, this is the thing. Innately, I don't think you chose it, I chose no. it. Like, none of those no. things we chose. No. I think that it's, it's a calling upon us to to do it. Now, you can avoid the work, and a lot of people will avoid the work, that may have some sentient understanding of, of the things that they need to do, but it's easier to go down the pub, buy a bag of gear, stand in front of the fruit machine and just stay there till, till yeah. three o'clock in the morning. Yeah. They could do that every week because you work, let's say you earn 750 a week, you pay 500 quid to your bills, you might have 250 mm. quid for a Friday, Saturday night and then you're eating pot noodles yeah. again till next Friday. And 250 distraction. Yeah, thing. yeah. So you, you, and you do that and it's so easy to mm. distract yourself. On yeah. like, I think the, the reason... <sighs> I think the reason that men struggle so much these days is because we are educated in the incorrect way. We aren't taught principles, morals, and boundaries, okay? We're not taught to have a set of standards. We're also not taught on, on, on who, how to discover who we are. We're not taught about brotherhood and how important it is to be unified with the right men, mm. yeah, to have a, have a network of solid men. Yeah, yeah. What we end up in doing is starting our life out drinking, down the pub, seeking women, yeah so we're overstimulating ourselves we're also collaborating from a very low sense of understanding which seems to be the pursuit of women and entertainment yeah yeah while we're into football whatever we're entertaining ourselves in the pursuit of women these are all stimulants these are all providing a source of an outside source of serotonin or dopamine or whatever the, the neurotransmitter that happens mm. happens right then over a period of time you will get into a relationship if you're lucky that person will be able to forge a life with you but the statistics on people staying together these days are so low Mm -hmm. because we aren't capable of being honest to ourselves or honest to the environment where we're always seeking the next best thing because we're overstimulated everything's overstimulating cars watches women money all of the stuff is overstimulating and it's a competitive environment out there and actually what we need to understand is we are being fed these metrics to learn from what we really need to do is start looking around and saying at the moment what we're doing is we're subsidizing a government from our wages that allows this this lifestyle to be purported into the world the tv stations all of those things that are purported into the world you watch it it's all bullshit it's tripe we listen to (laughs) it it, it's it's guff mate we watch it and it's bollocks and a lot of people will sit there and watch love island because they want to know what somebody else's love life is going to be sure and it's like, yeah. why are I mean, we wasting the time? We've always, we've always time? loved
1: that sort of thing. It's entertainment. Something's not us or whatever. But we're watching
0: but, TV and yeah. for other people watching TV.
1: Oh yeah. Gogglebox. What a phenomenon. From, what? Yeah. It is funny though. <laughs> no, <laughs> I do like Gogglebox. I, <laughs> I like it's a stuff genius like genius idea. This. Yeah. You know, for me, it's like, I mean, I don't, I don't get involved too much in, in the sort of ins and outs of all of that. I suppose I, I was just asked a simple question. It's like, Given that all the time we're trying to, you know, um, progress, you know, we're told in some vectors that we're, we're progressing, you know, an incredible rate in some, some areas. But in, in others, we're obviously not. You know, there's, there's an epidemic of mental health problems and, uh, and related uh, diseases and conditions to that. That doesn't sound very progressive to me. No. So how are we getting it wrong? And I, and I think, you know, to a certain extent, the people are presiding over a system, this government another government, different countries are providing over a, a system that's not really fit for purpose. And in a sense, it's, it's inviting us to do the very thing that makes us feel uncomfortable when we really sit and think about it, which is be separate, detached and isolated. And we're more, we're more about relation than we are about thing. You know, I'm a thing, you're a thing, the chair's a thing, the microphone's a thing. There's all these things, but none of them make any sense without the other things in the room. So the relationships are primary to the thing relationship. So if we, if we don't and, – and also with the whole lockdown thing, there is a sense of full security in being separate. So people sort of stayed at home – And, you know, the whole country pretty much agreed to do it. It was a phenomenal thing that the whole country would come together and stay at home during the lockdown. And I think there was a sense of feeling safe about that because there was a big move then to get people to do things at home rather than going out and stuff like that. But that's a false sense of security. You because in a world now where they sort of look at the threats from disease and war and violence and malnutrition and everything like that, the statistics suggest that the most dangerous thing is you. You're the biggest threat to you. So if you're at home in your house, all tucked up and the doors bolted and feeling all safe and you're looking out the window, the biggest threat's already in the room. Mm-hmm. So this this system seems to double down again and again and again, leads us to the sense of being separate and fractured and limited and all the things that actually, the people on their deathbed say, I didn't wish I spent another day at the office. I wish I spent more time relating to the people. So any way we can find to relate, interrelate, interrelate with nature, of course, is a great one, water, people, conversations. And, and it being safe enough to do it, you know. So I was driving down today, it was funny because I was listening to a couple of podcasts of people talking around very difficult uh, world subjects that are going on at the moment in the Middle East and thinking, it's a bit of a bloody minefield, right? You can go on a thing and say something and it's there forever. It's up there and it's there forever and you can be cancelled. And there's this incredible sensitivity to the wrong thing being said. <laughs> there's sort of legions of people sitting around waiting to That's be insulted him. or out. I'm outraged mm. and thinking, well, you want to get out more, you know? <laughs> and um, and so all that does, it stops people doing anything. Yeah. It It crushes creativity. It crushes the very thing that was born out of relations, which was something new. You know, we relate so something new can be born. And with people feeling fearful and scared to say anything or do anything, the result is nothing gets done or said. We
0: feel fearful around saying, we're fearful around saying what is, what is, what is real? What is the reality? Because if we look at it, we look at it and and i and i don't I've, I don't particularly get political, mm. I like to stay out of it if I have a choice, I would never vote ever mm. simply because like it's two sides of the same fucking coin mm. in the history of this working it's just never worked mm. when the interests are not in us, the interests are in them and the way that I look at it now is it's like, well look, if I'm going to sit here and think about anything I, I can't help because I've raised my awareness, but look at things for the way that they are. So we see these wars that are happening in the outside world. And I just find it all abhorrent that the money that we give
2: Mm.
0: involuntarily, that we get taxed upon at the end of our lives. Again, Mm. they're now adding these new taxes to like the elder, like so to uh, people that are coming onto their pension. If you earn over a certain, you get more tax. Right. Yeah, so there's all these new things that are coming into place as a metric of like, oh, by the way, IPS, yeah? But what they're doing is then they're taking that money and applying it to bullshit initiatives, to fearful thinking mm. that we're all, no wonder we're all scared. I yeah. can't, I, I, if I wanted to say something on this podcast and I wanted to say it about the LGBT community, if I mentioned that thing, me just saying that sequence of letters yeah immediately arises some sort of discomfort in a certain proportion of the of the community mm. i have nothing against anybody mm. ever i have zero yeah. interest in what somebody else wants to do with their life don't care yeah it's when we are too scared to say things for what they are because we will upset someone yeah. and if everyone's perpetually upset It's an entitlement to think the entire world is never going to do something or say something that will upset you. It's fine. That's for you to deal with. If nobody's being harmed by what's being said, because inherently words are not harmful, the utility of the word is not harmful. Hmm. Even of which the intent is said, the actual word itself is not harmful. It's the perception of the word through the field of a belief that is harmful.
1: You can see how it's happened. And to a certain extent, of course, we, I think most people would have a lot of empathy. I think, you know, generally we're a very empathetic country. Mm. You know, we don't like bullies and, um, the thought of people being persecuted or victimized in some way just doesn't sit well with us as a nation. Generally, yeah. of course yeah. there are people that does, but generally not. Um, but you know, the truth is a lot of the time, somebody asked my opinion, I say, I really don't know enough about that. Mm.
2: Um,
1: it doesn't escape me that it's incredibly tragic and sad these things when they happen. Of course it is, but sometimes now the problem is you can't not not have an opinion because by not having an opinion, then in a sense you're sort of disagreeing with. You. You've either got to it's agree, not a then, isn't agree or, or nothing at all, and that that's that's dangerous in my book, you know. Um, it's
0: polarizing. And what yeah. we are encouraged to do is either believe one thing or another. Mm. And this is the dangerous thing. A belief right, is a series of understandings or an understanding that is dropped into your, your awareness mm. and that may sit or it may not.
1: Yeah. That's but your if, software. Yeah.
0: If it chooses yeah. to sit, I always say to somebody like where, where did you get the belief from first? Before we enter a big argument about this, like where do we get the belief from from the, the the supporting understanding of this thing well this well that look I'm asking you to use your own mind here and really challenge your own belief yeah for me, my belief systems like I got into a, a conversation with um someone quite close to me and she'd read this book right, and the book had an underlying tone that everything in the world everything in the society is accidentally misogynistic right so um and misogyny by definition is the hatred of women right? it's a really extreme doctrine to to consider so this book has then said like um something to do with like they did they ran some studies and one of the studies was like um a planning committee for a road right um they had to plan whether to close the footpath or the road or something, right? And they said, "Well, based on the fact that there's working hours, we need to shut the we need to keep the road open, yeah. but the footpath was to a school. So, accidentally, because we've considered the road is more important than the footpath to the school, it's misogynistic because mostly women take kids to school, yeah, right? Yeah. And I I had to ask the question." Like I believe a, uh for some reason it doesn't sit well with me' to blanket statement everything yeah. innate yeah. It, that is a completely yeah. like yeah. no one sat around a table and went men or women mm. Like, mm. but then she said, but that's the thing it's accidental misogyny well it, it, you could call it coincidental whatever you want, mm. but it's like you know there's accidental racism there's accident like like Realistically, intent means more than anything. Mm. And if the intent is to solve one problem and not another, that doesn't mean yeah. one thing is. And it, yeah. it, I found that really a dangerous thing to be yeah. talking about. Why but we it's can't like flavor stereotypes, everything,
1: isn't it? You know, stereotypes. Um, I mean, okay. So the idea that there's an endless amount of information available to us. Yeah. That somehow just for survival we have to narrow it down. And so we have a lot of sort of cognitive shortcuts yeah. to necessity because otherwise we'd just be completely overwhelmed with the stuff. With everything, and, yeah. and so they have their like categories. You know, we categorize yeah. things into that's a tree. I don't have to you know what type of tree and how many types of trees. It's a tree, and that helps me group all the trees into one thing, so I don't spend all my time telling you about all. You know, so a bit like we do that again and again with all sorts of different things.
0: But that's what we have like the, the dangerous ones have like red berries on. Red berries, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so you, you, tree, you, yeah, can, voice, you can yeah. you can you can discern, discern yeah to some yeah. degree.
1: But you know, there, there's it's sort of it's for it's cognitively efficient to. Narrow it down. But we can take that, you know, and we, obviously that happens and we go too far with it because we just, and there's something, there's something very secure and safe in feeling that I know, you know? And so having, I I know that position, so I've not got to worry about it. I can just adopt a position almost because somebody else that I like said it. Mm. I don't really know anything about myself, but I do it. And actually that makes me feel better. Mm. So I think a lot of that goes on because people don't have the bandwidth. You know, they're being challenged, pulled left, right, and centre. I have you know, all sorts of, like you say, overstimulation. Just simply don't have the bandwidth to 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 give these things the necessary thought that's needed. Um, where it comes to things like the sort of patriarchy and misogynistic ways and things like that, or the masculine and the feminine, I, I tend to think of them sort of – in, in this way, where the, the, the masculine tends to sort of lean slightly more towards um, control and force, and the feminine more to uh, sort of um, the um, power, but not force. They're, they're a subtle thing. And so, if you like, one is to manipulate and control the world and change it into useful things, which is, of course, a necessary aspect of being here and surviving and being life. But if we go too far down that road, then we quell the very sort of important creative um, aspects of our personalities. Both, you know, as a man, you'll both have male and female or masculine and feminine qualities. And I think certainly in in more recent times, this doubling down on control and manipulation is problematic. Mm. It limits us and, and maybe part of why we're, see ourselves into a bit of a position so I'm you know I'm open in those things I can understand how people jump to those sort of uh, views and conclusions but and this pisses people off a lot of the time you say normally it's like yeah but but you know and maybe or also or whatever you know maybe that but maybe this too and maybe that and, maybe, and unless you prepare to do that which sort of Puts you in a bit of a no man's land sometimes. Um, it's it's not a it's not a doesn't seem a popular position to hold these days, or so it's a bit it's a bit of a tricky one.
0: It's all gotta be binary, hasn't it? And then this is where like one of the things I've trained myself upon and tried to be as conditioned as I can on, right? So I won't polarise to anything. The belief that I've structured and formed is out of just observing. Mm. Observing. So, if we're looking at the concept of a government or a structure of um, a facility to encompass the protection and overall stability and running of this country to be as smooth and as helpful as possible for all parties, mm. yeah, should be. But what we tend to find is, and i just, just, for an observation, Like my doing my car insurance the other day, I'm 35. Mm. My car's not particularly expensive. Yeah. The insurance is over a grand. Yeah.
2: Mm.
0: And And I thought to myself, how is this a regulated market? Well, I'm sure that they're going to call it the cost of living crisis, but if they're still making loads of profits, they shouldn't be able to do that. But then we look at things like how the government are structuring things, and then like you, what you're telling me that you're going to be banning vapes soon because they kill people, but smoking's still allowed. Mm. Like if I, if 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 you're you're saying these XL bullies need to be dis- deleted from the planet, and you're going to give us all two hundred quid in order to do so, right? Because what well, these dogs are dangerous, but thousands and thousands of people don't kill themselves by drink driving mm. on a monthly basis. Yeah. So you mean to tell me that something has happened where something is out of control and it has caused harm to an individual or others, even if it was a child, right? You're telling me that there aren't children, women, men, killed in car and vehicle accidents under the influence of alcohol, but just because you've made drink driving illegal, that's not the problem. The solution is to ban alcohol, but they don't do it. Cigarettes, they don't do it. If we look at the NHS spending, how much money gets piled into the NHS? I'll tell you what we've got. We've got a culture where we can go and spend, if I wanted to, three quid on 15,000 calories. Yeah. Mm. Or I could spend three quid on a couple of bananas and a bloody pack of chicken breast. Yeah. Yeah. yeah? And I, in, in that world, you're telling me that We have a hyper-stimulated, over-diabetic, overweight, overly depressed, unhappy culture that is driven by material, external possessions, which is what those fucking stupid boxes on the, the wall. Somebody said to me the other day, do you think the news that they put out, they go through all that money, they spend all that money to tell you the truth? Or do you think it's there to condition a belief into you? Now they're gearing us up for this whole climate thing. And it, you know, again, I don't want to get into this big political thing. I just think that as individuals, we need to understand that we are all here to work together in order to create an environment where we're all safe and all happy. And that starts with each individual, right? Yeah. But then opening up your mind and your awareness to the world and looking at the truth of it, yeah, if there was some guy in your village taking your money and you knew he was spending it on a load of bullshit, this on the proviso that he'd fucking grit your streets for you, yeah, and that was barely happening, and when he did it, he just fucking nipped out and put a few crumbs mm. every like. Mm. What we want is a, is a system where there is a guy in the village that we pay that money to, but what he does is he comes round, he makes sure everything's okay, everything's working all right, everyone's got enough money, everyone's happy, everyone's got enough opportunity, the education's in the right place, and what we're not doing is that. I think what we're yeah. doing is fucking corrupting it all and giving it to people that have got financial interests in I, all sorts of stupid really
1: interested in politics at some point in my life and wanted to study it and... Um, and I, I remember visiting the House of Commons and standing in the sort of central lobby of the House of Commons and just, it's sort of awe-inspiring, really, that building you know, with all the paintings and everything like that. And, but there was this sort of sense, like, you could turn up here with the best intentions, but you're not rocking this boat, you know, the inertia of it. And for the, for the politicians, you know, whatever colour they might be, whatever side... It must be like herding kittens, mate, running those, those departments. Those they're so, you know, they're they're, they're, they're like, you know, there was this line, they're like penguins trying to swap an egg. They're all bumping into each other, you know, and it doesn't, I don't, I, you know, I, I try not to be judgmental of things. And of course it's hugely frustrating when you see projects like HS2, you know, they've, they've bought the land to build it on, but they've decided not to build it now. And, and then there was the... And the things that we hear about, you know, where these things go hugely over budget, it would never happen in the private mm-hmm. sector because, one, they wouldn't have the money and, two, they wouldn't allow it. But it seems to be the culture within some of these sort of institutions the you know, well, the, 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 old, the old faces behind the scenes that are sort of running things, I suppose, I, I, I would have no idea what to do about it and, and, and what to replace it with. Um, the, the sheer waste. And of course, all that does from our point of view is it, it, it erodes our confidence in it. Yeah. And so then we become begrudging taxpayers or, you know, we're all suspicious of. And then, of course, you know, the, the um, conspiracy theorists, you know, there's plenty there's been an explosion of conspiracy theorists online and, and talking about these things and how they want to interpret it. To me, that feels another form of distraction. You know, like I used to be a gambler when I was younger, so yeah. that was my form of distraction. And in a sense, there's nothing wrong with trying to distract yourself from the uncomfortableness of being human. It's a very natural mm. thing. It's just sometimes we've, we've chosen shitty methods to do it. We all do it. Right. That's all we yeah. do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this, you know, it's a, the, the earth's flat or the earth's round and you sort of go, okay, let's say the earth's flat. Nothing changes nothing changes zero, but you're spending hours in your bedroom you know online and arguing in forums around something that sort of has you know if it was round it was round if it was flat, it was flat you're telling us it's flat, I thought it was round, Oh, no difference you know what what a terrible waste of time what how is that not some form of sort of distraction from I think animals? what it is is
0: is a is a, is a, a what we have right is a demographic of people and I have been party to that right is where we get so uncomfortable trying to figure out what the fuck is going on in mm. our lives. And then we start to go, actually this doesn't feel right. So I'm going to start exploring things that do. And sometimes we'll jump on the fucking mm. look and don't get me wrong. I've delved into the flat earth. Stuff. Yeah. just had a look yeah. because I thought, right, my job is to not polarize to any opinion. And if I look at where the belief structure for me to believe anything, where it's come from, normally school, mm. and then you'll see pictures online, but I've, I've no personal experience or evidence to the, to the latter. Mm. And if there's certain things that are capable of being lied to us for a long, long time, a really long time, you know, then certainly these sort of things could be, could, it's like, it's not outside mm. the realms mm. of possibility, mm. Right but at the same time, the likelihood is slim. Mm. So I'm not going to fucking die on that hill. Mm. Yeah. Willing to try and find out. Yeah. What I am going to be is I am going to remain open-minded to all possibilities whilst in pursuit of my highest self. Because it's like picking, picking a pursuit of becoming who I could be and who I could be and who I'd like to be, I would like to hope I'm rel- relatively similar, yeah? Mm. Because that makes the path to execution much more easy. Um, uh, Sorry, more direct. It's not easy. It's never going to be easy. But the the pursuit of trying to establish outside environments is, a, is another metric of, of attempting to feel safe. Sure, yeah. It's like, I need to know that. Yeah. It's like, if you suspected your partner was cheating on you, you'd want to know, you'd be looking on a page, you'd be looking at this, you'd be checking that. That's safety. That's fight or flight. That's the list. Like if you think about it, if I was out in the, I was out in the world and a fucking lion turned up, right? My brain instinctively is going into the same fight or flight mode that it often sits in for any other number of fear or causes. Yeah. My brain will begin to list exits, like at a rate that I couldn't comprehend I would start my, I would be gone and I would just turn and once I've turned my brain is going to look for the escape it's going to try and find that like a computer would mm. that's our heart that's our software yeah it's just innate without chemical change so this is what happens to human beings is when we get into a state where we we're, we're experiencing something negative from the outside we begin to list the potential Areas where this source of trauma could come from. It's you. It's you. This is where suspicion and like all this paranoia comes from. Mm. Looking to the outside world and the feeling of anxiousness and overwhelm happens to us because we haven't created safety yet. So when we stay in that state, we're almost on the fence ready to run. Like the cat that's just fucking heard something. It's ready to go. But when we stay in that state, we can't think about anything other than there's a fucking ghost at the door. Yeah, yeah. So, so what we, do we need to do? So relax. Exactly
1: right. <laughs> relax a bit, or at least, yeah. I mean, we, you know, this this idea that, in a sense, we spend too much time cusping in that fight or flight or hyper hyperstimulated yeah. uh, state is the door that opens to allow all the illnesses and the and the the problems in, right? You know, mm. it's the biggest, it's the biggest killer, stress, yeah, and, and what have you. So. You know, rather than waiting for iPhone sixteen to come, that's going to be the answer to all our prayers. Mm-hmm. You know, and then we'll be fine, or maybe not. Um, you know how how do we how do we find the space to chill out a bit, find a bit of a bit of a. Expand a little. Don't feel so cut not Feel so open up. Feel vulnerable. Maybe have these conversations. I mean, my being on a on a retreat with you. You know, we were down doing that intensive Zen retreat, and it was a, it was you know it was a, it was a difficult because I've got a, I had a couple of sort of people that I felt a little bit responsible for there yourself yeah. and and Lizzie, and but also it was it was beautiful, and I still tell people about it you know, sitting with you and, and watching you go through that retreat and how how things were sort of unfolding for you and how this uncomfortable thought or this uncomfortable identity that you were wearing, you put it down and then they saw you pick it back up again and you're wearing it. And you could almost see where it was. It was here, you know, in your head. Do you remember yeah, sit, that, sitting with me and you you're, you know, head I was cold I
0: talked and, about this earlier.
1: And uh and I said to you, you know, and I sort of broke protocol a little bit because you're not really supposed to do this in the diet process. But I saw you and know, but it, it's what came up for me, so that's what I expressed to you. And I say when I talk to people about, you know, maybe this – whatever you take to be true at the moment, how, how would it be that you could put it down, just put it down? Like, you know, the analogy of carrying – not wanting to do two trips from the car and carrying sort of eight Carry it back from the supermarket back to your front door, and it's all cutting into your fingers, and you can't wait to put it down, and you finally put it down, and the relief. And I said, you know, just put it down, put it down, put it the fuck.
0: But you gave down. me a beautiful and, analogy but, in that and,
1: moment, and you put it, and it, you put it down, and it sort of dropped out of your head, and the the relief, and the you know mm-hmm. other situations where things are held. And we hold all the time. Mm. We have no idea we're holding them. Mm. But when it literally falls off, this stuff can be, and it's not clear that we're holding it until it falls off. Falls off. And I, you know, I f- physically felt it with people I've been working with or sharing space with sometimes maybe on plant medicine retreats or, or in that situation with you. Mm. And certainly in my own practice, you know, that we we're sort of gnawing on this bone that we take mm. to be true and, just, just having the ability to put it down for a moment and then seeing. because not even if pick it back up, it might look different, it might not, but can't put things down, you know.
0: I get that. And, and you know, the, and I, spoke, I literally spoke about this on, on another podcast, which is, you know, some of the most transformative moments have been when I'm posing myself the question, who am I? Mm. And it's a really difficult process mm. because you don't ever ask yourself, I could ask Joe yeah. Public line up 50 people and say, tell me who you are. Yeah, And they'll go, Tony fucking jobby. Yeah. I'm or pissed I'm, off. I'm, yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah. Tell me who I am. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, no. I want to know who you are. Well, I, I'm a postman. I'm this, I'm that. And that's not who you are. Like what? And that dyad process was fucking traumatic because like after, because it was five o'clock in the morning till 11 o'clock at night. And it's fucking intensive and yeah. it's hard work. Yeah, yeah, where yeah. like I had this moment where I, I had it. I went outside, I saw the Mm. horses and in my head, I was like, Mm. one of the horses trying to fuck the other horse. And I was like, go on, son. And in that moment I went, oh, that's who I am. And it's subjective to who I am in each moment. Who I am is who I am in this moment. And the barometer of who I am is only indicated by how I'm feeling, which also changes on a minute by minute basis. The essence of me will always remain, mm. but the barometer, like it just moves. Mm. Mm. So the key is to go with it mm. or not, mm. but you're not fighting yourself.
1: Mm. You, you feel sort of in those moments, maybe when you have those little breakthroughs or moments of clarity, you feel unfettered. Like it's it's sort of like all those things that you felt were, were you or were essential to you as your identity that you were sort of waking around, you know, so, sort of, sometimes I have this stuff come up for me when I'm on retreat where and the, certainly in the early part of the retreat, when you sort of detoxing and, and shifting a lot of shit out, you know, which tends to be the case, doesn't it? And then it sort of goes over a hump and eases into the final days. It always feels like a bit of a detox. Is this sort of the analogy of the coat, the bad coat, you know, sort of I'm wearing this bad coat and it's, it's not, it won't keep the rain out and it's got holes in it so the wind comes through and the pockets got holes in so the things fall over. But it's just long enough to fucking trip me up. On, <laughs> on, the, on the odd occasion, somehow it's just right. And you think, that's a nice bit of schmutter, that, you know. It's yeah, spot yeah, on. yeah, But most of the time, it's not fit for purpose, but you're wearing it and you say, to yourself, I'm not going to wear that coat anymore. So you take the coat off, put it down, you walk along and fuck me before you know it's back on. You don't even realise you put it back on. And those sort of old sticky habits, that old conditioning way, those old things, it's very much like that for me. And that's why it's doing those sort of retreats, doing some of these, these practices, if you like, challenge it. And they may not give you the answer, the clear answer from it, but it will challenge the, your supposition or your, your assumption that that's true, mm. you know. Just it could, you know, the first step of all these practices, it seems to me, that you could entertain the possibility that it could be another way. That's step one. Mm. If you can do that, then it's open, right? As you, but you've got to allow the possibility that things could be other than they are. Yeah, And lots of people don't, you know, I've mean, people sit with me and they've gone, you know, they do the usual thing and they wow. moan for 10 minutes. We go, I can't complain, right? Yeah. And, um, and you seem to, just go, you, you really know, don't you? You really know what's going on. And, and you go, how is that for you? Like, shit. Mm. But do you not think it could be another way? Mm. No, no. And I I remember being, this happened, I was a bit bit naughty really, but I was out for dinner and I was sat next to a, a, a good mate's girlfriend who, you know, was going through a lot of stuff. And we'd had a conversation on a previous occasion, which was really beautiful actually, and sort of felt this incredible sort of somatic contraction when she told me how she viewed herself, which was very low. You know, she sort of saw herself at this point being lower than anybody else and it sort of crunched hold of my heart. It was an extraordinary sort of feeling. But anyway, this was a couple of weeks later or a month later and she told me why she was challenged and and felt sort of depressed, if you like. And um, so I said, well, you know, in a sense, maybe there could be another way or have you, you know, very light sort of considerations of maybe making a few changes potentially. You know, if we do the same thing again, again, why would we expect anything different to happen, you know, classic sort of. And, um, and she told me maybe four times, four or five times what the problem was. And I said, oh, I, I understand. You know, we spoke before. I understand. It's very difficult and everything like that. But, you know, do you think it could be, you could maybe change something about it, make a little change something? No, oh, no, because this is what's happening. And told me again. And after the fifth time, i tell telling him, I think I'm out for dinner here, you know, it's out for dinner. I'm not. And I said, Well, all right, you crack on with that then. She went, How dare you? And she really got very angry with me, you know, but I'm sort of saying, Well, that's what you're doing. You know, you, you, you know very clearly what the, thing, the problem seems to be, but you can't even entertain that it could be another way. So, with the best will in the world, I'm just saying, I'm going to have my dinner, you know. And she I mean. got really upset with me for it. Yeah, but it's like we double down on the very thing that we dislike, you know. And well, we
0: put all uh, of our chips on the fact that we think that this is the only way. And actually, because it's the way, it's safer. And yeah. what people don't want to understand, or what and again, again, I'd hate saying the word "what people." Like some people, mm. I sometimes have formulated a view on something. And I will repeat the problem out loud to other people, which I would call moaning. Yeah, when you're just whinging about the same shit, Mm. right? Mm. But when you take the the simple notion of the fact that the problem is the problem, it is what it is, okay? Mm. Your view on the problem creates the innate energy that the problem can take from you. Which is why a parking ticket to somebody can be the worst thing in the world mm. or can mean nothing mm-hmm. it's a piece of paper leave me alone mm. you know and but to all people a parking ticket is a parking ticket yeah yeah it's all to yeah. all people a parking ticket is a parking ticket if your name's on the letter unless you didn't do it like it's yours mm. right you gotta pay the 35 quid if not 70 in mm. two weeks if you don't fucking pay but what we tend to do is we tend to sit on it and go hmm and for me, it's just like I've I've learned to go. I'm just going to pay the fine; it's gone. Yeah, that's
1: an interesting aspect of life that again became clearer to me after attending retreats. And you know, I I as you know, I was in a quite a difficult situation with Joe at the time. Joe was poorly, my wife, and when I got respite during those periods of care, I, I'd go away and do an intensive retreat, like we went on. You know, <laughs> which was I think it's hardly respite, but I, I got the I got the sense that this was very important work, and it was something that was needed to be done. And not that I had any great revelations on some of the most of these, but the thing I noticed most was I could come back into a situation after having to was two or three days away, and for all intents and purposes, the situation was exactly the same. You know, uh, impossible really at, at that point, but it felt very different. It felt very different. And it felt like I'd been dipped in Teflon, like the slings and arrows of the situation and what you found yourself in just didn't seem to stick or hit you like it did before. So what was going on there? You know, that fascinated me that these very similar situation could feel so different from almost one day to the next. Maybe morning to the afternoon could feel very different. And I realised that was me, you know, in a sense. My sense of self had somehow shaded out a little bit it wasn't the, the victim there to be hurt and triggered as much as there was before I went away. And no doubt, you know, that you arm a backup again in time, uh, or, or maybe not as much as before, but it tends to come back on a bit and you can start to feel hurt and sad
0: and everything, but all intensive purposes. And also for sort of a bit of context and reference, like that was like end of life cancer. Yeah. Like, that you were having to witness in a loved one. Yeah. And at times you needed to go away and treat yourself. Yeah. For the, 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 the innate crisis that you're in. And to say that you returned covered in like effectively felt like Teflon mm. with all these slings and arrows of yeah. like real difficulty.
1: Yeah.
0: And actually weathering, not the outside, but adapting your inside to become more present yeah. for some, but the person that's in it.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, carers, you know, I was really keen on doing something for carers. So with cancer care and Macmillan and stuff like that, they tend to get very good support. So, uh, you know, in situations like that, then you, the respite care was made available, which meant that your loved one could go off to a place and be looked after by medical staff or you, you could have a break because... They knew how important it was looking after the people we were looking after. And a lot of the time with carers, they sort of neglect that they're important in it, but they're really important in it, you know, to, to be able to be present and care. And it makes a big difference to the person they're looking after too. I was lucky because Joe was sort of this amazingly strong person. and a nurse She was a nurse and, as well, wasn't she? Yeah. And so, you know, she she was far more aware of what was coming than me, if you like. So no doubt that made it a um, an easier process to go through, I'm guessing. But it, it was marked, you know, those those ex- little experiences in time when you're sort of walking the path and doing this self-inquiry and, and asking those difficult questions of yourself. Sometimes it's thin gruel, mate. You, you can do many miles on the path and you get dragged through ditches and you've got thorns stuck in you and, you know, it's uncomfortable and painful and you're exhausted and you're questioning why. And those little moments of nourishment, I call them like nourishment, those moments in time where you really notice mm. the benefit of it is enough. And, it, and mm. that's how powerful it is. Those moments of the unconditional love mm. shown, you know, the presencing shown. Yeah. This is And sitting with beautiful people. You know, I remember being on mm. one retreat once, sitting with what I consider beautiful people that ticked all the boxes. You know, they were successful, they were beautiful, they were articulate, they were intelligent, they were affluent. And they were in bits. Mm. I was sitting with them, and they were so lost in their suffering. And I remember coming out on one break and standing outside in the in the sort of country air and taking big breaths and thinking, "You okay, know, you know, this is really challenging a lot of our assumptions of what it is to be okay, yeah. and just how important this work is to do." Mm-hmm. You know, that was my revelation from that three days sitting on a spike. Right? <laughs> Not a lot, <laughs> but it, but it was it was um, it, it's powerful enough. That, that form of unconditional love mm. and it might show up in that little glint is powerful enough to withstand a lot of the, the difficulty in the dark that comes in, you know, just life situations mm. really.
0: I um, believe like something that again, that it's taken me a long time to really fucking grasp it. But could you imagine these moments that you've experienced where it's just like, do you know, when you, like, do you know, when you try and swim the length of a pool underwater and you, you, it's a bit further away than you anticipated and you're gasping for air. And we all know what that feels like when you come up and it's like, <gasps> sometimes I've had these experiences where it's like night and day. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? I've had this moment where something has shifted in me. Like one of, one of my first retreats this year had come out of a really deep, dark, dark depression, dark I'd put so much effort into rebuilding my life, my relationship. Mm. And I got this six figure job. I got a nice new car, my relationship. And I realized I wasn't getting the validation from the outside world that I needed. The the acceptance, nothing changed, Mm. you know, nothing changed. So this pain was still in me. And you know, I was in this deep, dark depression and I went and sat in uh, Switzerland with a Peruvian shaman on the, in the Swiss Alps. Beautiful. Like, yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Right? And I was really lucky to go out there and be able to do that. And my, one of my mates I went with and, you know, I'd class him as very far down the line in terms of his spiritual growth and very wise and, yeah, love him to bits. But this moment where the medicine... She literally said to me, she said, you have to treat your life now like God has given you the very last key, last one ever to the most beautiful place on earth. Mm. You've just got to use it to open the door. Mm. And like, bear in mind, I couldn't get out of bed. I couldn't do anything. I just, I was fucked. Mm. Didn't want to be here anymore. And I remember I walked outside in the morning and I'm in the Swiss Alps and I went for a walk up this, um, this pathway and I'm standing on this mountain and just on this bridge and there's snow everywhere and there's water coming under and I just went, fuck. Because all it is is a shift, the momentary shift in like, oh, nothing has changed. Yeah. But everything has changed. Yeah, yeah. And like you say, these little gasps of air. Yeah. And we fight for them. You have to wrestle with them for those moments. You're not going to get them.
1: Well, you don't know, you know, if you knew you'd get, you'd just go get one, wouldn't you? You you don't know. Mm. Um, And that's, you know, and again, that's part of the sort of personality or the makeup or the, you know, who knows how we end up and where we end up. Um, But, um, and uh, and when we're wearing our problems and our suffering, of course, when we're in, you know, they're all encompassing, aren't they? They're, it's the heavy black blanket, and it's suffocating. Mm. It's all over us, and for the life of us, we can't see a way through it. You know, and of course, one of the sort of classic for me, anyway, one of the classic um, signs of being in a low mood and feeling down is, I'm stuck. This is how it's going to be. Mm. So the feeling of studness a, it's a, it takes the breath out of your chest right it's difficult but one of the, uh, the an actual truth is that small changes bring about big effects so as much as this all encompassing problem that we envisage that we, we have we're wearing it so closely that it's covering our face that it actually sometimes that somebody just comes and puts a little finger behind our collar and just pulls us back two feet and all of a sudden we can see past it
0: you what know, was it you used to say to me it's like looking at you're looking at a problem through a little keyhole.
1: Yeah, yeah, or, or, or we're so close to it, yeah, you like know, we you can't, you generally... know, it, it, it does take up all of our view, you know, we can't. we can't see a, a way around it in a sense, you know, we're blocked and we're stuck, but life or something might happen that it may just come and say, oh, just stand here a second. And it feels like sometimes like certainly from with meditation, breathwork and these other practices, what they can do is offer some perspective. Mm. They reframe the context and that, Distancing from that original thing creates the space to see. And it's, and my Zen teacher would sometimes talk about a camera in focus. He said, Mm -hmm. it's just this little, it'd go like that. This little refocus, little shift in how you're seeing things. And that. Is a tiny shift, but hugely sort of transformative in people's yeah. lives. And that's, that's my experience. It certainly seems to be experience of other people I've practiced well, with and, you know, <laughs> in your own experience. Well, I've said, I,
0: I've, I've, um, I was sort of alluded to once that, you know, if you get a tractor and you drive it across a field a thousand times for years and years, those ruts are going to be so deep in the grass that you could just turn it, put the tractor in it and just press go. Oh, that's yeah, going to yeah, follow. Yeah? Yeah. But you turn the wheel one degree just a fraction of an inch and you drive another two miles, you're going to end up in a completely different direction. That's the truth of it,
1: right? That is is the truth of it. It's
0: going to be difficult to take that path.
1: Yeah. Yeah, because it's going to want to stay in the tracks. It's going to want to
0: stay in the tracks, but you've got to just turn it.
1: So when we entertain that maybe things could be different to what they are, they don't, it doesn't have to be some great grand gesture. You know, think, oh, the problem's enormous, it's all encompassing. The solution to it has to be, at least yeah. as big, if not bigger. And I can't imagine anything bigger than my problems. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right? um, mm. But the truth is, no, that's not true. Mm. A little shift here, a little chink there, a little distraction here. a moment in time can be transformative for people. Yeah. So it's far them. easier to entertain maybe the possibility of that, that maybe you could make a tiny change to how you do things and maybe next month it might be slightly different to this month. Mm. You know, that's, that's true.
0: So before we before we like wrap this up because we've you know we've had a hell of a hell of a conversation here and I knew it was going to go this way and this is why I wanted to get you on because we haven't really needed to touch on the business stuff we haven't we've really you know entered a a beautiful version of a conversation which I'm really grateful we did. I would just like to ask a couple of questions like directly about you mm-hmm. um because I think that you're a beacon of of information outside of you know, all of this holistic spiritual yeah. healing stuff. Yeah. Um you ended up in in business and you you ran a relatively successful going concern for a and it's still going today. It's, okay. but yeah. it's still going. Yeah. Yeah. Um when did you notice the shift in yourself from where you were to where you wanted to be like was there a day where you were like do you know what i need to do something different is there a time where you were like working for somebody else or yeah. i think you were a pt for a while was that the other end of your career
1: well no when i started so i did a lot of sport and then i was yeah. a personal trainer or gym instructor to, to begin with and uh, and then sort of uh, through injury and stuff like that left the sport that i was involved in and went to work really and set up a little sort of car valeting business was the first business i had myself and then got into industrial cleaning, which is what's still going today. Um, but it was, I, don't, I sort of had some early interests in some Eastern stuff, I suppose, around Taoist sort of thought, but I, I never understood it. You don't really understand Taoism as particular, because it's sort of paradoxical, but I never really understood it. But I, I liked, in a sense, that that it that it was saying things aren't black and white. And... I think because I was a bit of an anti-establishment figure, I liked the thought that all these people that thought they knew what they were talking about were standing at the front, sort of parroting away and I sort of like, they go, you don't know what you're talking about. It's grey, the world's grey. And as much as I didn't understand the grey, maybe there isn't a way to understand the grey, it wasn't black and white. So there was a little bit of that, but the point that changed for me, there's a couple of pivot points, I suppose. I was, I, I was in a relationship with Sam at the time, with my daughters living in the house, you know, with all the bits and pieces going on and the relationship wasn't going well. And I took myself into Waterstones to try and find a book that would help, you know, I was sort of a bit desperate that the relationship was failing, and what could I do about it. So I went in to find a sort of in the self-help section of Waterstones, see if something might help. And I found a book, again, picked a book up and it was on Taoist thought, which is a sort of Chinese philosophy. Tao Te Ching, yeah. Yeah, Tao Te Ching, yeah. And I loved that book. It was, it was a transforming moment for me. Now it didn't save my relationship as it turned out, but it did get me into education. I started studying, going to university and started practicing yoga properly, maybe for the first years, 20, 25 years ago now. And, and then I met Joe and we, we, we married and then, through that process, Joe became ill, but all the time Joe was a. She, she was already awake, from what I could make out. But all the time, she was very supportive for me to go into yoga and start to do meditation practice, because there was a thought that maybe we could have a, a space where people could come and practice and do that practice there and teach there. So I went through all of that, and Joe, obviously, Joe's illness um, progressed and became worse and. And there was a point in time where I had two sort of businesses running and I, I made the decision to shut half the business down so that I could be at home more with Joe. Um, and so I would tend to work in the mornings a bit at home in the afternoon. That was a big pivot point for me. I, I took my foot off the gas of earning purely earning money and the trappings that came with money and all the, the, the bits and bobs and trinkets. And Joe wasn't at all impressed by that stuff really and decided that actually the quality of life – that I could have with Joe in the remaining time that she had was more important. And so I made that decision, reduce the business by half, reduce my work load by half and carried that on. And then, you know, when Joe passed, um, I took, I mean, it was a difficult time, but I took a lot from Joe and wanted to share that with people going forward. So I started to, facilitate at festivals and retreats mm-hmm. and volunteer my time for people in recovery in you know, a 12-step mm-hmm. addiction recovery yeah. and helping people with their, with their practice. And, and that, and I've really since 2015 mm-hmm. is what I've s- focused my time doing. So, um, trying to, trying to help people find the stuff that I found helpful from the retreats yeah. that I, and the through the practices that I had that, had this sort of very practical real world application of being in difficult situations. And, and then, you know, through that, the invention, if you like, of this, this new product, which is to, you know, which is a new business venture that's sort of going to roll out over the next 12 months or so is, was all driven through that sense of trying to help people find that sense of stillness and peace in themselves Mm -hmm. unconditionally. Not because of, mm-hmm. but to touch into something that is unconditionally present and, and, and good in and of itself, which I believe everybody that's everybody's birthright. Yeah. And it's what all the wisdom traditions point towards. And it's been my experience and that seems to have been the thing that gave my life purpose and meaning. And so that's sort of how I try and balance my life. The business is still running. It's allowed me to concentrate I'm spending time doing that and also start to develop this product that hopefully Can we touch
0: on, uh, because whilst whilst all of this is present and all of this learning and all of this difficulty and all of this challenging stuff is present, Mm -hmm. you've been an entrepreneur the whole way through and, you know, having worked for you in times of difficulty Mm -hmm. in my life where, you know, you're a guy that will come in, roll his sleeves up and fix shit. Like- we'd have this big boiler that needed sorting mm. and you mm. would, well, you know, I'm Panicking. panic in. It's like, okay, we'll just do this and yeah. we'll fix that. Yeah. It's all calm and
1: it's all. It Maybe you know, not so much on the inside. I mean, sometimes, you know, we're, we, we're, you know, I was a terrible tail chaser for a great period of my life. I had a lot of energy and did a lot of things, but if I'd have been smarter, I could have done just as much without expending so much energy. So I was a big rusher and a big charger about and this, that and the other. And
0: you know, maybe that's why you can hold out for so long. Yeah, yeah,
1: maybe. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and, um, and and I suppose just sort of natural maturity that happens as we get older. I think too um, that we maybe question, you know, maybe why am I why am I rushing? You know, what difference does it make whether I feel rushed or not and notice that and then the practice
0: and all those things they started. Saving to four minutes here and there, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, it's, you know, I could you can almost feel it in my body when I'm rushing. It's so habitual for me that you're sort of leaning into it, you know. Everything was leaning into. I said to somebody the other day during a diet process that I think for the early part of my life, my narrative to life was for fuck's sake, mm. get it done, get it done, get it done, for fuck's sake, get it done, get it done, get it done. Everything had to be done and got out of the way, like, you know, classic sort of head up against the facing of the millstone, you know, and just, and missing so much because you're so lost in this until sort of, for whatever reason, again, somebody puts their finger and just stands you up a moment or draws you away from this sort of perceived thing. And you go, oh, Christ, I never realised, you know, and... And just starting to do that, and I and I actually built, you know, like the where you worked at the at the wash bay at, at the at the bakery where we do the industrial cleaning. I sort of built a mindfulness gym, so I would sort of counter old habits. So we have dominant legs and dominant arms and dominant ways of doing things, and I would sort of set it up so I'd have to do it the reverse way. It always kept me sort of mindful and. Aware that I wasn't just dropping back into old habits and sort of going on autopilot all the time, not paying any attention. So I'm pleased it, it, it came across as clear and calm, you know. And uh, but sometimes it was a very it was.
0: meticulous process that that sometimes job, and was. that taught me a lot. Because at that time, you know, I'd, I'd wrote a book, I'd worked hard to try yeah. and change my life, and I was interested in that stuff. That was 2016. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it was like I'd lost everything, and you, I was like, I need somewhere to work, and you was like, I've got somewhere. A couple of days where you come down. And, you know, I'd walk there from fucking Wharton yeah. some days. And I, again, that was a time where I started from zero. And again, here I am. I've started from zero. Zero. I lost everything again. And I'm back to zero. Mm. This time, I'm, I'm not in a rush. Also, I'm absorbing. <clears throat> and I've always been absorbing. Mm. And now I'm actually in a position where it's like my ego's out of the way. I realise I'm competent in many things but there are people ahead of me that I want to learn from, which is the reason why I wanted you to come on because whilst we haven't discussed much about the ins and outs of business, actually what we've discussed is the ins and outs of how someone can heal, how someone works, how one might want to shift their thinking. Yeah. Um, And it's instrumental for my healing journey. My journey is not just healing. It is business. It is healing. It is, it is effort. It is training. It's, you know... I want a diet. I want to be in really good shape. I've just eaten two packs of fucking sweaty pound, one pound meatballs from the... It did say finest foods on there. It says finest, it. but you do, you do, you just know it's yeah. mulch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, I just, I just don't harbour so much responsibility over the, every single detail of everything I do. I just know that if, I'm, if I work hard 95, 80, 90% of my life in the direction... I don't have to be sprinting. I don't have to be smashing my head up against the glass. I can
1: walk. And uh, uh, what I've come to realise over all these years of practice and sort of facilitating and doing this stuff is what I try and get people to do now is relax, you know. Um, And all all this sort of um, innovation and work and moving towards is a sense of relax. Now... The term relaxing is almost like you need to re educate people into what it's the idea so of relaxation for some people, Because isn't it? people go, oh, I'll, I'll relax. What's that mean? Oh, I'll sit in front of a film and Edson some crisps or on my phone or read, read a book or probably all of those all at the same time. And that's not what I mean by relaxing. Relaxing means being able to sit with yourself and be okay and not be in fight or flight. You know, because a lot of the time, if you took somebody and whoever they are, I mean, there's all sorts of difficult people in the world, no doubt, but they're, they're, those type, those people will also have had a time when they would have been unfettered and unbothered and okay. And okay as a person to be around and, and related well with people and they're a joy, you know. And most times people people can tap into something in themselves, which is innate, as I believe, innate, Ooh. but they'll do it not from a place of fear. You know, We ha- we have to challenge the myth of fear keeps us safe mm. i don't believe it does i think fear, fear keeps us in a state of fear yeah. and so helping people relax and get into their body and feel their body and come into the present moment and all those things that we hear about you know you can tolls the power now and everything like that or the, the you know the highest sort of uh, buddhist teaching from um zogchen you know the the great perfection yeah. a lot of the instructions are saying just relax. I mean, how hard should it be to be you, to be really who you are? It shouldn't take any effort at all, right? Why all the efforting? What's all this efforting about? Who is it that's efforting? You know, if you just ask those questions sometimes and just put into your day little breaks, little moments of break, three breaths, a pause, pause to notice that you're leaning and notice. Just keep breaking that up and put little relaxation breaks in through your day. All sorts of things can happen from that.
0: But most people will find that so triggering to just think, what am I supposed to just go and get free breath somewhere? What you want me to take break out of the day I've got to go and do that. And I'll tell you what, for the most part, the most beneficial thing that has ever come out of me being on this path Mm. is being able to be able to go and sit for one minute. If you're running around panicking and you're fucking trying to do everything at once Mm. because you're panicking about something life's difficult... Like, go and sit down. Your duty as a human being is to soothe yourself, calm, mm. relax. Mm. Because it's like being in quicksand. If you relax, mm. you're going to stop sinking just for a bit. It's counterintuitive
1: you f- though, you know. Yeah, well, you know, it's started- like Because we're, we're, you know, we're told that it's all on you, kid. You know, it's all down to you and you effort your way through and you can build this and you can build yourself into being something better. And, you know, there's some truth in the, all of those things. But two that if you can't, if you can't really, and I, I would say to people, you know, this, because they'll ask those questions, say, this this method or whatever this thing, it's designed to make you relax, really, really deeply relax. And so for me, meditation is about relaxed awareness. Yep. Um, and that's relaxed, relaxed awareness. So you're very aware but you're not caught up in business. You're not doing anything with things. You you're know, not you're trying to just, spin the place. You're, just you're present, this place. It's you know, just present it? and available and open and free, you know, very simple, but that that's for me relaxation. So what I will say normally is say, look, let's do that first. And then we'll have the conversation about what that means. And I very rarely have the conversation about what that means. Once they've relaxed. And normally no, stuff will come, become clearer to them because they've created a bit of space in themselves you know and the stuff normally bubbles up and resolves you very rarely have to have the conversation afterwards. this
0: yeah. yeah. so to wrap up I always ask my guests if you could go back to a time in your life where you if what you knew now mm. would have really changed the course of the path that you were going on it accelerated it as if somebody you know that's watching this could do with that information or even me mm. if you could go back to that time and you think three things that you know now that you would have accelerated everything mm. by some magnitude if you knew this 25 30 years ago when this all this started mm. what would those three pieces of information be if you were sitting down with yourself for a coffee
1: yeah it that's, that's a tricky one for me i because if I, yeah, I suppose I always think if I knew now what i if I knew then what I knew now, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't have been me then. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, you know, this whole hindsight thing, if, if I'd have known that, you know, how I separated from uh, my partner at the time and the girls, that, that was, I'd seen my parents separate that way and there was anger involved in it and that wasn't handled particularly well. Um although you know saying that we've got through and we all have very good relationships now thank god mm. um yeah just just these just these you know the the whole the challenge in that whole sense of uh, of of rushing and personal efforting it it seems to be this sort of natural there's a there's a dance between these two it's like my t- my teacher would sometimes say like it's it's like being in a rowboat, you know sometimes you need to get on the oars. You need to crank those oars to get out the harbour. But then sometimes when the wind blows, you pull the sail up and you just get on the tiller. So you put the oars down. And it seems to be about getting that balance between those two aspects of life, really. Okay. is something that I've come to. Um, and whether that's just something you naturally mature into, I think it does. Um, but, you know, I was thought talking to you and you having these interests around these subjects and talking to younger people, than myself which happens a lot because you know I'm getting to an age but um <laughs> I just think god they're way ahead of the curve you know I wasn't having these thoughts that I was 36 mm. really asking these questions I was doubting the you know what I took to be true and and starting that process and I see lots of people there they seem to have huge amounts of inf- information deluge deluged by information which of course isn't helpful but they're also asking some interesting questions mm. and that, that's a great thing so Good. yeah that's that's all I can say I I, I really don't have many regrets if any mm. you know I sort of think well you know that was my lot I sort of did the best I could as you sort of pointed out about the people around us you know and I never never wanted to be an arsehole or upset people particularly even though that might have happened um so you know I am where I am I'm happy where I am because of where I've been mm. and uh, yeah that's it really
0: um, I just want to say thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure yes, to see you. see you and yeah, really lovely to get into this sort of stuff. There's definitely another podcast in us somewhere. Um, we'll see what the audience says, you know, sometimes these things, these, these important conversations around yeah. complex issues yeah. can, can encourage, yeah. um, It's beautifully complex,
1: beautifully deep, um, and en- endlessly rich, endlessly, endlessly rich. rich. Yeah. yeah. It, it, so, you know, what's not to like if you, if you want to be, if you want to be into something, you know, yeah. learn about yourself. You know, when did you read the manual for this Billy kit right?
0: We we, we blame the world that there's no, there isn't one. That's right. But there yeah. is. Yeah. yeah You have yeah. to write it.
1: Yeah. You have to understand yeah. Yeah. it. You have
0: to like develop yeah. an understanding of it because then when you're in a relationship with someone, you kind of got a manual to hand to them. <laughs> they're, like, they're
1: the mirror, right? here's some, back yeah. some yeah.
0: stuff like yeah. any relationship that I'm in. friendship uh, partnership whatever i have boundaries now and it's like look this is who i am these are the things that i am into this is the way that i am and what i like to do if you want to be a part of my life which i'm happy for you to be like i just need you to respect these through these are good good qualities right yeah and because we can't really set parameters, and we let people behave how they behave, and then we just keep in that environment, and we're like, "Fucking hell, these arseholes. Like, well, it's fine. Yeah, um, and take breaks. Um, as well. Standing in yeah. your own frame. Yeah, you know,
1: that's take breaks on yourself. You know, take breaks from working on yourself. We can sometimes micromanage ourselves into Fuck into hell. corners and. Know, take breaks and be kind to yourself. You know, it's a big one.
0: I did ten. Yeah. Like I've done ten ceremonies this year, and I'm, and I'm so glad now that I've come to a place where you've got I, some. I, I, I like, After the last one, I was like, I "Don't need any more for a while." Yeah, good. I'm good. actually sitting yeah. next week, um, with a friend, one to one. Um, but mm. it, it's been such beautiful. 2017 since I did that. Yeah, yeah, it's beautiful work, man. It, it, it really, can be.
1: Yeah. It can be. Yeah, find the right people. The shaman I've sat with here is phenomenal. Have a good intention to do some serious work, you know, and uh, set and setting, all those sort of important things. It makes a a a huge difference. Some guy with a
0: bag of fucking. Yeah, no, that could be horrible. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) Thank you so much again. Um, I look forward to seeing you again soon. And uh, yeah, Uh, thank you all for coming along to this this episode of The Real Roadmap. And uh, I'll see
2: you next week.